Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Thursday, September 1st, 2022. Human beings have long been fascinated by the concept of invincibility. Uh, This idea that you cannot lose, you cannot be defeated or conquered or overcome. You know, think of it in some of our fascination with superheroes and who's the quintessential superhero, you know, Superman. And what what is it? Well, he's really invincible. I mean, outside of kryptonite, there's nothing that can stop him. Bullets bounce off of him. He cannot be conquered or defeated, right? And that drives the human imagination, or it's even a feeling that we crave. There's moments in life where uh, we might feel invincible and we like those moments. Sometimes you might think of it in athletics. If you're playing basketball and you feel like I cannot miss, or you're playing golf and you feel like I can't miss a shot or a putt, everything I do is is right and good and nothing can stop me. We crave uh, feeling like that, whether that's in business, or just in life, we, we want confidence. Uh, we're fascinated by invincibility. Well, today, let's think about this phrase that really expresses a sense of invincibility. Romans 8.31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Man, that is the idea of invincibility, which literally means incapable of being conquered or overcome. And even in verse 37, it says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So we're fascinated by invincibility, but usually we think of it as something either uh, fanciful, like in a story of a superhero or fleeting in those rare moments when you're in the zone in a sporting event or whatever, but we don't think of it as something real. What if God wants Christians to have a mindset of invincibility, of not being able to be conquered or overcome? Is that true? Well, we see in Romans 31, at least to some extent, That's the mindset we should have. If God is for us, who can be against us? We cannot be conquered. We cannot be overcome. And there's a few reasons why, as we look at the second half of Romans 8 today, Romans 8, 18 through 39, a few things that should bolster kind of a biblical invincibility, this biblical mindset of we cannot be overcome. And we'll, since we've got some misconceptions about really invincibility, we'll, we'll close with some of those in that time. But one thing, one reason why we can have a, a somewhat biblically invincible mindset is we have a sure end. We have a sure end. And that's where the passage starts in verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Um, That there is this glory that is coming that is so good. And it's so much better as something good than the, the bad is now that is not good. 
And so we, we see that there in verse 18, and then it goes into this longer description, just describing again, the present suffering we experience and how we are groaning. Creation is groaning, but there's this end coming, the redemption of our bodies and this hope that we have, even though we can't see it, because if we could see it, it wouldn't be hope, but we have this hope. And notice even where uh, verse 30 ends, where it says, and those whom he predestined, he also called and those whom he called, he also justified and those whom he justified, he also glorified. And it even puts glorified in the past tense saying, Hey, even though you're not quite glorified yet, we can refer to it this way because it is as good as done what God has done. So if you are a Christian, uh, you, you can know you have a sure end. There is glory that is coming that nothing can stop. Uh, Second, you've got sure help. You've got sure help along the way. Uh, First thing it highlights there is really how the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And it's talking about there in verse 26, a specific weakness. It says what that weakness is. And it is that we don't always know what to pray for. I mean, if you are really seeking to pursue Christ, that's probably a very common experience. You're in some situation and you're like, God, I don't even know what to pray for. And that's where it says the spirit is helping us and it's praying along. The spirit is praying along with us and he knows what the will of God is because that's our quandary sometimes. God, I want to pray according to your will, but I don't know what your will is. The Spirit knows what his will is, and he is interceding for us according to the will of God. I mean, yeah, think of that. You can't miss in your prayers. I mean, unless you are, you know, sinfully, willfully, selfishly praying. Yeah, that that's a miss. But if you are genuinely praying to God, you can't miss because even where you're off, the spirit is correcting that, right? Your shot might bounce off the rim, but the spirit is there to get the, the putback, so to speak, and to correct it and and help you and, and get your prayers answered according to the will of God. How encouraging is that? And then there's some great statements that use this phrase, all things, that remind us of our sure help. Verse 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And then verse 32 says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So you know, in whatever circumstance you're in, you have this sure help that whatever the situation is, God is going to use it for good. And then there's that verse 32, God's already given you his son won't he give you all things? And I think there's a good connection between those two verses because you scratch your head and say, well, what does it mean that he's going to give me all things? And I think there's one sense in which whatever happens in your life today, that's included in the all things that God is giving you. And you can be sure even when some of those things on their face don't seem like a good thing to you, uh, you can trust, no, this is a gift from God. And really, I think this verse can speak to the confident God will provide everything I need. He's already given me his son. He's going to give me everything else that I need uh, to, to get where he wants me to go, which is glory. So just think about that confidence that we should have all things, everything that happens in your life today, God is going to use it for good. And that's where you need to honestly stop trying to figure out how. Stop it. That's God's prerogative. That's God's domain. Be still and know that he is God.
Be still and know he is working all things together for good. And he's often not going to tell you how, but trust that he is. That is more of an invincible mindset, right? Hey, whatever happens today, it can't conquer me. It can't overcome me because God, my father, he is using it for good. And then finally, we see another thing that should contribute to this biblical invincibility is a sure love. And you get there in verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Then it lists off all these things and implies, no, nothing can. And that's the answer there in verse 30, verses 38 and 39, for I am sure or convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things uh, present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. So there we have it. A sure end, sure help, and sure love, right? Don't you see now why we should biblically be able to say, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, again, to correct some of our misconceptions from our fantasies of invincibility, a couple things this does not mean. This does not mean sure circumstances. This does not mean that life will be full of what we would think of as good things. Remember how it starts in verse 18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time. This does not mean that God is going to resolve all the painful circumstances in your life. No, we know in the present time there will be sufferings or even consider what it says in verse 35, all these things about tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. It's saying, hey, those are things that will be experienced in this world. And even here, it talks about there's a sense of persecution. They are being killed all the day long for God's sake. So this does not mean, hey, you can just go through life knowing the circumstances are always on a human level going to turn out great. No, this invincibility is actually better than that because you know, even when the circumstances seemingly blow up in your face, God is working for good. And also this does not imply sure sinlessness, right? This invincibility uh, that I think Christians should have somewhat in their mindset is completely based on God. He will not fail. The invincibility is not based on me, a confidence that I will never fail. And so this is not in any way meant to imply uh, something that should make us proud or arrogant or think that I am above stumbling or I am above sin or I am above ever doing anything wrong. No, no, no. We need to be humble. We need to be dependent. Uh, We uh, need to heed the warnings of scripture. Let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. We need to be careful. We need to lean on the invincible one. And that's where the invincibility comes from. He, God is invincible. He will never be conquered or overcome. And if our faith is in him and he is for us, well, then who can stand against us? And I hope that does give us confidence as we seek to live for God today. Now let's go back to the Old Testament where we look at 2 Chronicles 21 through 23. And we were encouraged yesterday looking at the good example of Jehoshaphat. 
But we noted the one kind of warning from Jehoshaphat is how he allied himself with King Ahab and then even with his descendants. And and God clearly told him that was not a good thing. And today we're going to see, I think, some of the real consequences of that because then his son, Jehoram, uh, after uh, Jehoshaphat dies in 2 Chronicles 21, Jehoram takes over and he is not a good king. His first step is he kills all his brothers. Um, That's a wicked thing that he starts with. And it talks about how he, well, he had the daughter of King Ahab now as his wife. So now, and, and that's where I think it probably some level sanctioned by Jehoshaphat, he allies with Ahab. And so one common thing in ancient alliances, marriage. So now his son is married to Ahab's daughter, and that does not go well because now he starts to follow in the, the, the sinful, idolatrous footsteps of King Ahab. And we see he meets an awful end and uh, describing an incredibly painful death. And it says at the end of the chapter, he departed with no one's regret. They buried him in the city of David, but not in the tombs of the kings. No one is sad when he dies. And then his son takes over and he is not a good king. And he is killed by in something that we'll see is orchestrated by God in this man named Jehu. And then when he is killed, his mother, so this is the daughter of Ahab named Athaliah, and she actually reigns as uh, the queen there in Jerusalem. So this is a very bad moment for the southern kingdom. You have the daughter of King Ahab reigning in Jerusalem. But that's where then we see this amazing story in chapter 23 about Joash, this boy becoming king. But really the hero of that story is Jehoiada, this priest who orchestrates uh, this whole thing and and, uh, leads the cause to make Joash the king and to execute Athaliah. And then immediately this priest, they go to the house of Baal, a temple for Baal that had been built, and they tear it down. They tear the altars down and they kill the priest. He leads the people to return and seek the Lord. And we'll pick up that story of Joash tomorrow as we continue reading in chapter 24. Uh, But I hope while that passage, especially gets a pretty low point there in our Old Testament reading, I hope we're all encouraged as we think about that reality that if God is for us and God is the one who cannot be overcome, who cannot be conquered, God is truly invincible through faith in him, in that sure end, sure help, sure love, we can have great confidence as we live today. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.